I'm Misty Winkler, and you're listening to episode 26 of the Simply Convivial audio blog. This is the Simply Convivial audio blog, short but meaty focus sessions to help you keep your head in the game as a homeschooling mom. So why such a strange name? What does convivial mean anyway? It means that our attitude as we do life together with our kids matters. Our attitude has to be convivial, full of life, festive, and good humor. Season five will be all about why we need conviviality and how to get it. A convivial home, enjoying life, children, and God. I wasn't yet tuned in to the right questions when I picked up the Sane Woman's Guide to Raising a Large Family. My fourth was a baby. I was sleep deprived, and I thought maybe I could pick up a few new tips to help cope. I don't remember any new hints or tips from that book. It's not that they weren't there. I'm sure if I went back now, I might be able to find a few things to add to my repertoire. At the time, I was too dazed to really think straight. What I picked up from the reading, though, was that I no longer had a sense of humor with my children. I was in get-through-the-day mode, and I was seeing them as little packages of responsibilities and duties rather than as little individuals. I was not having fun. And I didn't even mind that I wasn't having fun. It was just life. But the notion got into my head from reading that book that maybe I should mind Maybe I was so duty-focused that all my joy and humor was sapped and squashed. I shared via email a few of my musings and struggles with a friend. At the end of her reply, she just tossed in a question about finding and focusing on doing something that I enjoyed with the children. It brought me up short. What did I enjoy doing with the children? Could I really say that I enjoyed them if I wasn't really doing anything that I enjoyed with them? If I mostly just wanted them to leave me in peace by myself, conviction. Things were not right. Then an older, at least older than me mom, came to visit and see our new home and new baby. She had just launched two of her children, two children that I had taught in high school, two children that I thought counted as well done. I was excited for her visit, hoping to pick her mind for tips and advice on turning out successful children. She was in a reflective, reminiscent mood, and I gladly listened. I even took notes, although I waited until after she was gone. I did not hear what I was expecting to hear, what I wanted to hear. She had no advice to give. She was grateful. She took zero credit. She wasn't sure that she'd done anything right, but she was grateful that God was with her children. As she reminisced, it was clear that she had no formulas and never had. She felt vaguely bad for not doing things quote-unquote right. Nope, she had no advice. She was advice. She enjoyed her children as individuals. Her children fascinated her. She was so grateful that God had given her the children that he did, the ones that lived and the ones that hadn't. She had a good time watching her children have a good time. She was faithful. She loved them. She failed and she sought forgiveness and she moved on. I mulled over her demeanor and her stories for weeks. I knew that I did not enjoy my children like that. I liked them. I loved them. But when it came right down to it, I usually shooed them away so that I could do my own things. I wanted them to do their thing so I could do my thing. So when they needed me or came to me, they were inconvenient interruptions. That's what my responses to them communicated. But wasn't that terribly inconsistent with what I said I believed? I had wanted answers a formula, 
a guarantee. Do this. This works. This will guarantee results. I thought it was a dichotomy. Either what I did as a parent would guarantee results or how I parent doesn't matter at all. It was either find the right answer or give up. The answer that I got instead was seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto thee. But what does it mean? What does it look like? It means God's providence in our stories, ours and our children's, doesn't always, usually doesn't, end up neat and tidy. It means he doesn't guarantee things like early marriage, good kids, or good jobs, but he does guarantee sanctification. He guarantees his faithfulness and love and mercy and forgiveness. He promises to use means to use us to bless others, including our children, We should parent in reliance and in faithfulness to God's call on our lives, being as consistent as we can with His model of fatherhood, praying to be a blessing to our children who are individuals under God's care in their own right and not through us. God will use our children to sanctify us, and God will use us in the sanctification of our children. But it is God's work and not our own. It's more complicated. It's more messy but it's more freeing. The pressure is off. You are responsible for your own faithfulness, for your own obedience. You're not responsible for how or when someone else's faithfulness resolves. I love Lord's Day 1 of the Heidelberg Catechism. What is your only comfort in life and in death? It begins that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. I realized that that answer also means my children are not my own, but belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to their faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. It is Jesus who is faithful, even when we are not, and even when our children are not. That is faith. That is trust. That is dependence. We can be free to enjoy our children and our life when our trust is placed in God's faithfulness rather than our own. And what is our purpose here on earth, our purpose for our own lives? Is it to turn out good children who get good jobs? If that is our purpose, our identity, then what happens when tragedy hits or even simple disappointment? Is it failure? Will it mean a loss of identity? The Westminster Shorter Catechism teaches us that the answer to the question, what is the chief end of man, is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. We glorify God when we obey Him and when we seek forgiveness when we don't. We enjoy Him when we are grateful in all circumstances, knowing that all things come to us, not by chance, but from His fatherly hand. Heidelberg, Lord's Day 10. We enjoy Him when we know that He loves turning the first to the last, the last to the first, the proud to the lowly, and the lowly to the glorified. When we remember, as Doug Wilson likes to say, that God draws straight with crooked lines, when we trust that His hand is directing the seeming chaos and rest in faith that He will turn it to our good. And now it's time for this season's Simple Sanity Saver, Homeschool Checklists for Kids. Time for a reality check. Checklists do not magically make kids independent. Becoming independent takes time and training, for some more than others. It's a personality thing. 
But even though giving your kids a checklist doesn't turn them into independent learners overnight, it does start the process and it does empower them to take ownership gradually of their own work. Instead of being the source of all answers, including what's next, you are now the guide pointing them back to the source. If they ask a question about history, you point them to the encyclopedia or their timeline. If they ask a question about grammar or math, you pull out the teacher manual. Just so, with a checklist, you walk them over to the list and talk over what it tells you both. What is next? Let's choose something. One way that a checklist saves your sanity is that you get to stop being mommy bossy pants, controlling and micromanaging every detail. A student checklist allows you to offload some of that authoritarian tone to the impersonal paper. You are less of the bad guy and more of the help alongside the child. Sure, you're the one that made the list, but once it's outside your own head and on paper in front of both of you together, it becomes something that you're tackling together instead of something you're pulling off the top of your head and then insisting upon. Even if you feel like you're pulling teeth and dragging everyone along all day, try independent work checklists. Not so much because they'll suddenly be independent, but because it does change the relational dynamic of the school day. Pop on over to simplyconvivial.com slash audio for your free one-page reference with five tips for making homeschool checklists work in your homeschool. Thank you for listening to the Simply Convivial audio blog. If you enjoyed this show, please leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. You can also hit the share button on the show notes to share this episode with your Facebook friends. At simplyconvivial.com slash audio, you can find all the episodes and also sign up to get an email when a new one comes out. Remember, education is repentance. Repent, rejoice, repeat.